0: I had a very strange childhood. Had the worst case any doctor had ever seen.
1: My job is to keep healing. So that is the story. We all have remarkable stories within us. Stories of adversity, challenges, triumphs, and ultimately of healing. This is Your Health, Your Story, the podcast. As a guest on his podcast, Ditch the Quick Fix, I remember saying in my mind during our conversation, This guy gets it. There's a great quote that embodies this idea of ditching the quick fix from Dr. Kenneth Pelletier, who's a clinical professor at the University of Arizona School of Medicine. We need to realize that we need a longer term view. We need a slower model of healing because systems don't change overnight. You don't take an aspirin and get rid of a headache within 30 minutes. Headaches are persistent. It may take weeks of changes that take place so it's a slower, more systemic approach, but the result is a healthy system. The objective is not to end any particular symptom, although that symptom will resolve in the process. Instead, the approach is to modify the entire system, not just to address a particular symptom. Today, we're going to go into that idea with someone that's done over a million adjustments, and his story started when he was just five years old. This is the story of Ditch the Quick Fix with Dr. Damon Ernst. Dr. Ernst, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I want to dive into what chiropractic practice is and and the therapies that you instill throughout your career, but I wanted to start from the beginning, and you said you were exposed at a very young age, I believe five years old, to chiropractic care uh, following an accident. That you, you suffered. Can you go into that? And then what drew you from that experience to continue on to actually becoming a chiropractor? Yes.
0: Yeah, so I was uh, in the back seat of a car uh, that my dad was driving. My grandfather was in the uh, passenger seat in the front and uh, basically we got hit. We were stopped, got hit from behind, and um, didn't have any immediate life threatening injuries, but started to have leg spasms. And my father has two brothers, had two brothers that were chiropractors. We lived in the state of Washington, which I still do, and my uncles one lived in Minnesota and one in Wisconsin. And my one uncle said, "Hey, get him to a chiropractor." So my dad takes me to a chiropractor in Spokane, Washington and brings me in. And uh, you, know, all I remember as a five-year-old is that, hey, this big guy comes in and he puts me on the table and crunches my back. <laughs> and I was immediately able to walk better. So I had that really dynamic experience that a lot of people experience with chiropractic, and so it was just that was an ex- exciting you know moment for me. And throughout my young life, we had the opportunity to spend some time with my one uncle in Minnesota more than the one in Wisconsin. But uh, and whenever we went to Minnesota, we'd go to his office and playing with his equipment and his tables and all those kind of things got me fascinated with chiropractic. And so um, that, that's really how it kind of really was uh, born into my heart, you know, the the injury and then the family connection to chiropractic. So um, when I have kids in my office and the parents are with them and the kids are playing with the table and stuff and mom and dad are nervous that they're going to do something, hey, don't worry about it. They're just going to be a chiropractor
1: someday. <laughs> they're excited. So, You're getting the next generation ready, right? You're instilling <laughs> what you had done. To the next one, which I mean, that, that kind of answers the question, is chiropractic safe for, for all people? I mean, if it's safe for children, you know, then I guess the question is, is, is chiropractic care and the practice itself something beneficial for all people?
0: Yes. You know, just in a simple answer, and then there's context. So essentially, um, starting to, you know, stimulate the, the child, even in the womb for the, for the birth to go well. Um, is, you know, there's chiropractors that specialize in that. The Webster's technique, if you're familiar with that, you know, it's basically as soon as a baby's born, if they've had a difficult time in delivery and or had forceps or something that was difficult in their birthing, to be adjusted right out of of the womb is a very positive thing. And various types of adjustments can be positive depending on, you know, the situation. Uh, But I usually tell people from the first day Uh, of life until those who are in their uh, well past their hundreds, uh, chiropractic can be very effective and safe. Now, a very hard force thrust for grandma at 100 years old is probably not likely to be a very safe way to do an adjustment. But there's different techniques out there, low force techniques that are very, very positive, stimulating the nervous system. So I don't know what your familiarity is, but there's well over 100 different chiropractic techniques. And within that, there's the art you know, that each practitioner develops. So I, I'm i familiar with about four or five techniques, and my way of using those techniques is going to be a little bit different than somebody else's. So um, I'm, I'm comfortable adjusting anybody that has anything within the context of high safety, you know, as far as that goes. So if somebody comes in with any condition, I'm pretty comfortable doing some some work with them. In some of those cases, it's just purely pain relief, palliative care, it could be, you know, something like cancer, osteoporosis, that kind of thing. So, uh, But the technique there is going to be very
1: gentle, low force kind of thing with, with anybody like that. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, about that idea, because I think so many people out there believe chiropractic uh, care is really just for pain. And that's, you know, you have a back problem, you go to your chiropractor, and that's where it ends for them. Whereas I know, and of course, you know, it's much, much more, as you said, these are ailments that range from cancer to you could say even allergies, because if you understand chiropractic goes much deeper than just alignments in a sense, it's it's the alignment of the body that keeps it in balance. So can you go into that, how chiropractic care can go beyond the palliative and pain side of things into common ailments and chronic diseases?
0: Well, you know, the a couple of things to think about is that a lot of patients come into my office, and I think I was in the same frame of mind um, when I first started uh, my chiropractic education, is that really it's all about alignment. And alignment is a very positive part of what we do. It's very positive. So what we're talking about with alignment, we're talking about biomechanical you know, implications. So part of the puzzle is how well is the spine aligned? But the other really important part of it is how well does it function? And it's impact on neurophysiology. So, you know, if if we've got basically 24 vertebrae and 24 ribs that make up your basic frame, and for you to have any biomechanical movement, there's a lot of joint structures. There's facet joints, unsinate joints, costovertebral joints, things of that nature. And many of those joint structures get restricted. And then the body has to compensate. So if we've got 20 or 30 joint structures out of the 110 or so joint structures in the spine not working well, The 70 or 80 other joints have to compensate for that dysfunction or subluxation, which is a term that's used in chiropractic. So what the, the goal is, is to get into these areas where there's dysfunction or disease or subluxation and try to restore better function at that level. When you do that, you're actually stimulating the body's ability to release better hormones, communicate better neurologically communicate better from the brain not only to the joint structures but to the joint structures connections to the to the viscera so the heart the liver the lungs the kidneys so you basically are stimulating the body's ability to take care of itself better you know can stimulate the immune system can stimulate for example um, children going back to children babies a lot of times will have colic and part of the problem is the mid thoracic spine is subluxated or having some type of a dysfunction and you adjust that it's going to give a better signal to the stomach and kind of relieve the colic very common ear infections you know where basically you know your eustachian tube is more of a horizontal kind of plane when you're young you know in your first eight to ten years and it starts to get into more of a vertical orientation but the muscle the eustachian tube muscle can be impacted positively by a chiropractic adjustment to open it up and allow drainage so that you don't have to go get ear tubes or, you know, those kinds of things. Nighttime bedwetting. So, kind of rambling here a little bit. So, the idea is it's not just about pain. And too many times people believe that once the pain's gone, it's kind of like the engine lights off, you know, everything's good, you know. And that's one of the hardest things to teach is that, you know, hey, your spine you know, is is really important to work with just like anything, exercise, nutrition, even when you're feeling
1: good. You know, that's the, the important part. Yeah. And sometimes pain is a localized injury type of pain, but sometimes it is a symptom of something deeper. It is an inflammation caused by something else that you have to get to, and it's all related. That's why just addressing pain alone sometimes isn't enough. And a lot of what I've heard, and if you look even into Dr. Sarno's book, Healing Back Pain, it talks about the a lot of us hold pain and, and it's also connected somewhat to emotions or trauma. How does chiropractic care address that in a sense? Because you know, if you have pain, one of the conventional ways would take pain alleviation medication, right? Painkillers. Right. But that doesn't address the root cause. And for many, it's in emotional, it's trauma of some sort that is on a different level than physical. Do chiropractors incorporate that when they're looking into caring for a patient? Yes. The simple answer there is you want to incorporate the whole
0: history of a patient to try to give the benefit. But then you're limited at that point still, with what you can deliver for the patient. So for an example, you know, if, if somebody's been in a car accident and they've got pretty significant injuries. Which includes, uh, you know, maybe a head injury and or an emotional trauma. Uh, Just this last couple of weeks, I've uh, dealt with a patient who was in a car accident. Was the the driver of a car that was hit by a car behind, which was hit by another car behind. So the car that was right behind him had a fatality. So he's not only dealing with. Um, and he had to help with that situation. He was not only dealing with his own injury, but he was dealing with the emotional burden of the fatality in the car right behind him because it was a youngster that, that passed. So you've got that kind of uh, part of the history coming into it. And so when you're working on the spine, one thing that you're trying to accomplish is the body's healing potential to heal with function. So the body's going to heal, you know, and so if you sprain your ankle, if you sprain your knee, if you sprain your elbow, uh, it will heal. Uh, If you have a knee surgery, knee replacement, you know, and you don't move it, it'll heal, but it won't won't heal with movement, right? So you want to heal with movement so you get your best potential, and that's going to give you the best opportunity for proper healing, proper functional healing. But it also has, again, an impact on how well the body can heal uh, neurologically and has impact on, for example, when you do adjustments, you can help the body release endorphins, and there's other hormones that are very positive, and DNA replication enzymes are shown to be more uh, prevalent when you've been under adjustment. Um, But when you combine chiropractic with, you know, might need to do some emotional care, you get a very positive healing in trauma
1: type of scenarios. That's one example. In the patients that you've seen, What percentage would you say are actually there's physical trauma, meaning an injury, something happened there versus people coming in with just pain? It didn't come from, let's say, I was in a car accident or had this injury or was working out. It's just chronic pain.
0: Boy, I don't know what the percentages are for my practice. Um, But there is quite a good percentage of people that are in chronic pain. And, you know, trying to flesh that out can be a bit of a challenge and it can have variable you know origins you know as far as that goes so we try to address the whole body and that includes the mind soul uh you know physical body and uh, address all the potential
1: uh, aspects of their pain pain pattern and for people with back pain that were probably recommended i know a good friend of mine has had back pain since he was younger You know, got really into working out, just tweaked his back one time. It just never went away. It kept going. He got put on pain medication. Then they went in for surgery. That didn't work. And spinal surgery is, you know, a tough one. Yes. I tried to push him into the chiropractic route. He said, listen, they're the best surgeons around. They'll figure it out. They didn't. It sucks. But, you know, when, when you see a patient like that, if they're open to chiropractic care, What's the success rate that possibly they won't have to go into surgery, knowing everyone's different, but also knowing that possibly a chiropractic adjustment over time can alleviate that?
0: Well, you know, I was just um, recently, there was a study that came out in the JMPT, Journal of Manipulative and uh, Physiological Therapeutics, and it was showing that, you know, for neck pain specifically, that with chiropractic, there's about a two and a half times less escalation of services. So, there is opportunity when you, and, and that's consistent with the literature over the years. I mean, there's opportunity to to get benefit and avoid surgery and escalation of other services. It's not 100%. And it's sometimes chiropractic and surgery is, ne- is necessary, uh, you know, chiropractic before and after. Um, I've had patients where we've tried our best to keep them from surgery, and it's, you know, necessitated to to get there. In fact, I've had a couple of patients where I had, and I'm I'm not referring to surgery that often, but there are a couple of patients saying, man, I think you really need to consider surgery. You're getting relief here, but you know, the the MRI shows that not only do you have a disc bulge, but it's ruptured and part of the fragments are lodged into your nerve root, you know. And so I can I'm all I'm doing is giving you some pain relief. Go get that taken care of, you know, and then we'll still probably need to work on your back because it's it needs help, you know. But you can avoid, it's, and, and that's one of the things that's been well established uh, in chiropractic is that there's opportunity to avoid, you know, getting into more invasive care. And then if you do need to get into invasive care, there's good opportunity to help your back get strong after. So uh, it's a positive for, you know, avoiding surgery, but it's also a positive for maximizing your potential from surgery.
1: And what you're talking about there to me is is the beauty of an integrative approach, right? You're saying, listen, chiropractic isn't for everyone. You might have to go into surgery, go see the surgeon, right? That's the honest talk that you should have with a patient. Whereas I know many surgeons, I would say, don't even bother with chiropractor. We just, let's just cut you up, right? It's not that integrative approach. And it, it, it doesn't make sense to me because- You look at all the things that could go wrong in a surgery. You're cutting someone up. That's trauma alone. There's a high probability something happened there. Why not take the steps that lead up? Why not even look at, all right, diet, go see a psychologist, then go see a chiropractor, go and then lead up to that as that could be your last option. But in medicine, how it is today, it's non-integrative, really. It's this way or the highway sort of approach. And that's why I could appreciate a chiropractor's take to say, hey, you're going to need surgery. I could try and do this, but it's better that you have surgery when it doesn't reciprocate from the other side. Often, there are some, but often it's just go straight into surgery.
0: You know, and you hit a really good point. The, uh, what's really hard uh, for any doctor, and I know it probably happens in your clinic as well, is the educational part, is trying to help people have the understanding. You know, for example, you just said it. Surgery itself is an injury. It will leave you permanently weaker than before you had surgery. And any good surgeon is going to, you know, um, account for that and hopefully articulate that with their patient. And, and most good surgeons are going to say, hey, let's not do surgery until you're at your absolute wit's end on this. But people, for some reason, again, even if you go into a surgical scenario and you get a pain relief, you thought that all the dysfunction in your spine is is good now. And that's kind of a false sense of security. And it's kind of the sad part. It's like, No, you really need to take better care of your spine now for at least the next 18 to 24 months because that's how long it's going to take for your body to really repair and rebuild itself post-surgery because there's a certain amount of time that, you know, it's like you sprained your ankle. It's six to eight weeks is the initial healing time. But total healing time continues to go on with repair and remodeling, 12 months, 14 months, 16 months. And if during that time you're not doing anything proactive to uh, encourage better function, spinal function, spinal joint function, those kinds of things, you're just going to, like I was saying earlier, you're going to take that spot where it had surgery, it didn't heal perfectly well, it's going to move the pressure up a level, and guess what happens with people? Well, I had a surgery, I was good for a couple years, but then it came up again, I had to go back in and get another surgery. It's just, that's the hard part, it's like, okay, we, we put the fire out whether with chiropractic or with surgery, but how do we help you take care of your spine? How do we really encourage you to take care? And that's where that multi-integrative approach works the best for patients.
1: I mean, what you just said is exactly the reason my father got out of pain services and then being chief of a pain service at a hospital and into integrative and started looking around because he was actually seeing that. He was doing the surgery. He was doing the spinal you know, implants and everything. And a year or two went by and they come back. He said it was a revolving door and he couldn't do anything more with what he had in his toolkit at the time. And that's when he started to travel the world and say, what else is out there? And there was a lot out there and he saw, well, this could be pretty good. So let's talk about what's out there. What kind of extra tech or uh, you know, approaches are you utilizing or did you utilize in practice that helped you? So- I- my personal history includes a spondylolisthesis
0: at l5 so i'm a fellow back pain sufferer that's a grade one and what that is is that basically the anterior portion of the vertebra is not connected to the posterior portion of the vertebra so the vertebral body is not connected to the spinous process and it's broke at the articular pillars i probably did it when i fell off of a haystack when i was working in the on the farms and um essentially uh about three years later, I was in one of those moments where I couldn't stand up straight. I had excruciating low back pain. I was 19 years old. And the place of employment I was at, the doctor there said, hey, you're going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 50. And um, this is before I, 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 you know, went and started my uh, chiropractic college education. So, I know what back pain is all about and and the significance of it. So, not only did I utilize chiropractic, but I was already kind of a physical fit kind of person, you know, kind of in, uh, geared towards that kind of mentality. As the years have gone by, I've, you know, incorporated many exercise routines to keep my spine healthy and, and as stable as possible to avoid as many flare-ups of the, the spondy as possible. So exercise is a big one. One of my favorites uh, most recently is foundation training. Uh, it's a really good exercise protocol, uh, Dr. Eric Goodman. There's many others. There's, you know, the things that people know. There's yoga, there's body resistance, you know, planks and push-ups and pull-ups and resistance training and all those kinds of things. Nutrition, uh, just a myriad of different things that you can do to give your body the the tools it needs to stay healthy and and minimize, you know, these flare-ups and, and impact.
1: So really quickly, let's let's go into that because I don't want to skip over that. And I want, I know the listeners are probably saying, okay, you know, I have all this time at home. Maybe I am seeing a chiropractor. Let's talk about movement and diet as being two essential things that it's not just all in the chiropractor to do everything. As we know, healing starts with you, not with the other person. So when you talk about things like foundational training movement or diet, what what are some of the recommended things? Again, knowing everyone's personalized, individualized. What are some of the things that you're recommending as far as movement and diet go?
0: So um, with movement, going back to our start of a conversation, the alignment, there isn't anything better that one person can do than posture. I mean, we are constantly having some type of posture 24 hours a day, right? So posture is a a big, big tool that we can use. And you don't have to be a gym rat. You don't have to you don't have to subscribe to anything. Um, but if I, I tell people if you focused on your posture regularly, how you picked up a piece of paper compared to how you pick up a 50 pound bag of concrete, you'd be better off than many people that go to the gym every day and don't watch their posture the rest of the day, you know, that kind of a thing. So posture is one thing when we you consider posture in that alignment kind of deal, but it isn't it is a movement reality as well positioning, you know, your body and and proper positioning and things of that nature does have an impact. It impacts the movement. For you to get your best posture, you basically need to have good movement at every spinal joint because that's what allows you to have good posture is good movement at the spinal joints. If your spinal joints are locked up, you're going to have a hard time straightening up. It's like if my elbow is locked up, I can't straighten it. You know, it's, it's just not allowing that to happen. So, we need movement at the spinal joints to allow to happen so posture is one big thing so the other things that you can do whatever you're doing whether it's body resistance or cardio or crossfit or you know whatever it is basically you want your technique to be very very focused Uh, you know, you know, try to get good technique, only go where your technique is, is good. Don't try to go past that. You know, it's the guy that's trying to do a bicep curl of 50 pounds, and he should be doing 20 because his (laughs) technique is really getting terrible at 50. So, you know, movement is really relative to good technique, and stay within your lane kind of thing. Um, Nutrition, you know, it's really easy to, to throw out what you know, you should be doing nutritionally, but it's not always easy to follow it. But yeah, so you're, you're wanting to be well hydrated. You're wanting to have a good uh, dense, you know, fruits and vegetables and organic proteins and things of that nature. And I know there's a different diets out there. I, I'm usually that guy that says, hey, if God made it, it's probably pretty good for you. If man has manipulated it in any way, you might want to stay away from it, you know. So the processed foods are not good for you you know, as much as you can try to stay away from those. And and I'm not perfect at that. So I always follow the old 80-10-10 rule myself. 80% of the time, I'm trying to do pretty well on these things. 10% of the time, it's not so good. And 10% of the time, it's really bad, especially around the holidays mm. when it comes <laughs> to nutrition. So, and And there's good coaches out there. You know, there's good coaches for nutrition. There's good coaches out there for body movement and mechanics. And so getting connected that way is is a uh, positive. And I, and I encourage that to our patients, you know, and and I, I do what I can with our patients and and work through some of the foundation training exercises that, you know, I really uh, appreciate and, and really are helpful for pain, but also
1: for stability, some good techniques. Yeah, a lot of times it's, it's the simplest of changes, right. Or the simplest of approaches, meaning posture is not a difficult one. Watch your posture, always be a little bit aware of these things. If you're slouching, if something's off, if you're constantly sitting in the you know a kind of weird position for your back and you're feeling it, and I totally agree with you on the diet piece. You know, everyone wants to find what should I be eating, and it's like I think you should just focus on quality and make sure it is coming from nature. Because I posted about today, they have impossible chicken right now, and all this impossible meat. And you look at what's in it; it's just soybean oil. It's all this you know, no everything. It's worse for you. Just eat the meat, right? Eat high quality meat in moderation and just put some time and effort into finding quality rather than trying to make the easy way out. Yes. And I want to like kind of segue from that because so much of what we are eating is filled with toxins and chemicals and everything. We think it's good. It's being repackaged as good, but it's just filled with toxins. What kind of a role does toxicity play in the patients that you meet? Is that something you're looking at and trying to address? You know, in my practice, I, I'm not
0: um, geared towards, you know, the assessment of toxic levels in my patients. I I would need to refer out for that. Um, but that is definitely something that we would do, you know, is refer out to, you know, another clinic, like somebody like you, if you were in the neighborhood, I'd be saying, Hey, I want you to go over to innovative medicine and let's, let's evaluate this aspect of your health. But I think this is a, a huge, huge aspect, you know, when you consider, um, all the exposures, right the environmental exposures that we have the emfs the molds the toxins the the vocs just there's just countless things that impact and we know that those things can be a trigger you know what is that what is that uh, needle in the haystack for each patient you know it's, it's sometimes really hard to find right you know you can do some positive things but there's still something that is impacting them and a lot of times it's some type of a toxic exposure
1: yeah. I mean, we're all exposed that those toxins usually get stored. Our organs of elimination are overburdened already. And where does it get stored? Connective tissue. What does that cause? Inflammation. What does that cause pain? Right. So so it's always something to look at. We got to look at all those different ways. And I know that I believe you used to have massage therapists on your staff still do at, the, mm-hmm. at your clinic, right? Can you talk about that and why you implemented that as well? Because some people just see massage as a relaxing, nice spa time, <laughs> whereas <laughs> I, I think, you know, massage therapists and people that understand it see it as something else. So why did you bring them on staff? You know, there's a um, a real synergy
0: between chiropractic, massage, physical therapy, um, even, you know, throwing acupuncture and some of these other modalities. Going back to just the joint, you know, trying to get joint movement going. So, for example, I don't know if you've experienced a cavitation when you've been adjusted, but a cavitation basically is when you adjust a joint, specifically a synovial joint in the spine, you stretch the joint to where the the bone gaps a very slight amount. is encapsulated with synovial tissue. When you get that gap, uh, it creates a chemical reaction. Chemical reaction causes a gas bubble to form. Gas bubble pops. So you feel and hear this popping sound, you can feel it, It, you know, you might move your back and feel something pop. That's kind of what's happening. And by the way, when that happens, the popping sound that you're feeling when you're moving your back means something else is not moving, causing that one that's moving too much to pop. Um, So, you know, that kind of thing. So essentially, going back to the connection between massage therapy, when we do that adjustment at that synovial level, you have a kind of a super stretch on these tissues. It's called the paraphysiological in range of motion. So you've taken that joint to its full potential, but not to an injurious point. It's just its full potential and you can't get it without the adjustment. That's what sets a uh, chiropractic manual adjustment apart from just any other therapy. You just, you can't massage it. You can't exercise it. The only way you can get it is if you do that cavitation to get to that full potential. So, when we do that, that is root movement. If you think of the spine being the, the root of movement like a door hinge and then all the connective tissues that are surrounding the spine going all the way out to the larger muscles, the glutes, the paraspinal muscles, you know, the, the abdominal muscles, all these different big muscles, uh, when you get better root movement, that's going to allow less tension on the connective tissues, less tension on the connective tissues, less tendency for inflammation, less inflammation, less pain. And then, if you go the reverse of that, you work from the muscles in to the root of movement. You're going to get that same synergistic reality. If I do an adjustment at the joint level, and then they get good work done on their larger muscle groups, less tension on the joint because these other muscle groups are are performing better. So it's a real synergistic approach to care. And yes, it does have you know the potential you know uh, soothing spa like effect. But that's okay. It's, it's an emotional benefit. You know, and we talked about a little bit earlier, when somebody's having an emotional uh, tra- part of their trauma, uh, massage therapy can be very soothing, as well as the adjustment. Like I said, the adjustment itself can be very positive for endorphin release and things of that nature. So, they just it's a very positive synergistic approach. Now, massage itself, many times the type of massage I'm going to want, especially on my sore rotator cuff muscles, is very deep pressure. And you know, and I I like to get deep pressure work done. I have not experienced rolfing. I don't know if you have. Uh, I've watched rolfing, and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be man enough to go through rolfing. <laughs> so, but this is pretty brutal. It, it looks stuff. a little torturous. Yeah, <laughs> and it's really about breaking down tissues. Yeah, to where they rebuild and repair themselves better. Just just exercising, you're going to break down tissues and then they rebuild and repair themselves. When you do anything you know physio- physiologically, that's gonna happen. You're walking for a mile, you're breaking down tissues, and you're causing them to rebuild and repair themselves better. You're causing the bone to be stimulated so that it rebuilds and repairs itself better. So all of these things are, are, may seem to be insignificant, but that's where we kind of have that mindset going into it that we really don't get just how complicated this human body is and, and, and what really is happening. And, and that's what's exciting about chiropractic massage, those kind of things. It really digs into,
1: you know, helping the body do its thing better. Would you recommend someone without any ailments, any pain or anything to go into a chiropractor? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So for me, my favorite practice would be all wellness. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. And, I agree. <laughs> and that means that, you know, I'm just part of the puzzle that they're using for health. And, you know, they're trying to maximize their their body's health. And that is by far the best part of care. It's basically when you feel well and you go to the gym, you're probably going to have a pretty good workout. If you're sore and stiff and all that kind of stuff, you might get a good workout. But when you feel well, you're going to perform better. And so when you come to an office like mine and and you're feeling pretty well, I'm just going to be able to accentuate your body's status you know, by stimulating, you know, movement where it needs it, even though you're not feeling a whole lot of pain, um, you're not feeling a whole lot of dysfunction necessarily. So for me, yeah, that's the best part of chiropractic is wellness. Um, And then, you know, to not minimize how important it is for pain relief and pain management and things of that nature. But yeah, I would love to be able to always transition people from, you know, some
1: type of a pain management into a wellness kind of reality. I completely agree. And I think that is the, by definition, preventive medicine, right? When you can get ahead of it. Unfortunately, most of healthcare is really disease management or waiting for progression to become a true chronic issue. And then you go in and try to address it. Whereas if you came in while you were still well, and you were still, you know, you could prolong, that's longevity, that's prevention, that's optimization. And that is saving you a lot of time, pain and effort. To try and come from a chronic disease spot back to health. Listen, the body, as you know, is an amazing self-healing organism, but it only has uh, so much resources before it starts to go symptomatic and then chronic, you know, uh, chronically ill and and into a regressive state. Right.
0: Exactly. It's it's one of the the hardest
1: parts to teach, you yeah. know,
0: because um, like I was saying a moment ago, you know, even if you're Going to have some type of surgery, hip surgery, hip replacement, knee replacement, that kind of thing. Um, There's patients that come in and they that I've worked with and they know, hey, I want to get my body as good as I can before the surgery and then be able to, you know, return after the surgery. Having that mentality of, hey, having my body in in good uh, condition is going to help me get through anything that may come my way, you know. It's the same thing with trying to fight some of these viruses, you know. Um, hey, you want to build up your immune system, you know, and you might get a bug, but give yourself a chance to fight the bug better. You know, it's the same basic concept.
1: Have you seen that during the pandemic? A, a switch for people to come in and seek your services or seek a kind of more preventive care?
0: Well, I've seen more people really uh interested in some of the information that I have available for those kinds of things. I'm a bit of a, try to be an educating doctor. So in my treatment rooms, I've got articles of, you know, the most recent information. It used to be mostly chiropractic and mostly, you know, uh, neuromusculoskeletal kind of stuff, but I've added in quite a bit of the the virus information. Um, and people do want to, you know, find ways to you know, stimulate their immune system and what are the best ways to, you know, if, if I do get this, what, do you, what are you recommending? You know, what are the protocols that you think will be helpful? So it's been good. There's been a lot of people that are really trying to tune in to natural methods.
1: Yeah, I've noticed that as well. I think if any uh, silver lining comes out of this pandemic, it's that appreciation of your health. It is quite an important thing and you need to prioritize it. How do you do that? I think you seek out people like yourself that can help in that way. Do you recommend any supplements to patients or is that something you stay away from?
0: No, we do. I I recommend um various supplements, some, you know, specific for spinal health, pain relief, that kind of thing. What would some of those be? So for spinal care, you know, turmeric is one good one, enzymes, the one turmeric that we use is Mariva. Um, some of the enzymes we've used as, um, wobenzyme. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Yes. Yes. Um, Old school German. Yeah. <laughs> vitamin C, vitamin D, uh, some of the basics, magnesium, uh, those types of things, which also have impact on just the overall wellness, uh, part of the system. We've actually added in that of them to our routine for trying to help cognitive, uh, health. We've added in, uh, nitric oxide, I'm recommending people consider uh, nebulizing hydrogen peroxide and maybe stimulate that with or add to that Lugol's iodine um, to try to help people. You know, have an option for getting through a bug if they get it. So yeah, so those are the primary things that we we have at our office. It's very limited. I'm not a full on nutritional supplement type office. I try to have some of the key things that can get people through storms. Uh, And then refer them to other docs if they want to go deeper. You know, we refer out to naturopaths in the area uh, for, you know, more in-depth, you know, investigation and specificity for the patient themselves. So we have some general things that we have available and then we refer them out for uh, more specificity.
1: Looking at everything going on right now and understanding that the immune system is such a a hot topic and so important, everything going on, it always was. I just think now the spotlight's on it a little bit more. How does chiropractic care and the work you do impact the immune system? How are those two connected? Why are people, why should people look at this and say, okay, this is for the overall immune support?
0: Well, it, it is part of the immune support. And I just, you know, off the top of my head, I don't have a study or two that I could, I could cite. But historically, it's been shown that when you're under regular care, that your immune system is strengthened from chiropractic treatment, and it goes back to basically removing the dysfunction on the system that impacts how the overall system functions. So, like I was saying, using the example of, hey, if we adjust a certain area of the spine, it's going to have an impact on colic, or it's going to have an impact on bedwetting. Well, that same some of these same areas have nerve centers that have impact on the immune system, vascular flow, lymphatic flow, you know, things of that nature. Can you get your body to be more efficient? And that is part of the way that chiropractic helps the immune system in stimulating the neurological connections.
1: If someone's listening, they have some back pain and they can't get to you right now, let's say, what can they be doing at home that can improve it? Is that movement and diet or is there something else? Is it hot, cold therapy? Is it because people are a little bit confused by that? And sometimes they may not be able to get to a chiropractor right away to get that. Are there any general recommendation you could say you could be doing this at home to help your position right now?
0: You know, the worst thing that we can do is not move. And the another thing that would be kind of terrible is if you tried to force yourself to move. So, there's that balance. One or the other, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, essentially, if you're sitting prolonged or not moving, you need to at least try to stand up, even if it's standing up and sitting down every 15 to 20 minutes. If you can do a lap around your living room, just a slow lap, even if it's the Charlie Chaplin kind of (laughs) shuffle step across the living room, just to kind of get a little bit of movement going, that can be positive. Um, I'm a big fan of cold uh, over hot. And, you know, I think that's a consensus, you know, basically, um, but you can do both. So 20 minutes of, you know, some type of ice therapy on the, uh, the impacted area. Um, it could be a bag of frozen vegetables. Let's say you can't even get to the store to get a, a, an ice pack, you know, get a bag of frozen vegetables out, try putting that on your back, not directly on the skin, but, you know, within a layer of clothing, like a t-shirt or something on the, on the area that's painful, go 20 minutes on, leave it alone for 40 minutes or 60 minutes and do it again throughout the day. Some people say, man, I put ice on and it just hurts it. Well, don't do not do it then, you know, if the body just doesn't like it. So, put go ahead and try the heat. The, the heat, you know, same kind of method, 20 to 30 minutes, leave it alone, 20 to 30 minutes, leave it alone. What happens with heat, usually it feels pretty good, so people leave it on. And so, what you've done is you've increased the vascularization to that area and so you're basically overwhelming that area with too much blood flow and so then you get this negative cycle going on where hey it feels really good and when i take it off it's kind of sore and that's because you've got too much blood flow there and it's irritating the area so then you put the heat on again and you just keep that negative cycle going so you should go uh you know 20 minutes on with heat 40 minutes off you can do heat for 20 minutes cold for 20 minutes and then you know a good 40 minutes off so those are a couple things that, you know, you can try at home, hydrate yourself. Well, that's a really important thing. Um, try to find positions that are, you know, not hurting you. I've joked around in my office. If it feels good to stand on your head in the corner, do that, you know, so you can get out of the pain, but that's not something we want to do on a regular basis, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, you know, there are some things you can do at home uh, to help that the pain potential and then limit your exposure to carbohydrates when you're in a pain pattern Carbohydrates are just going to increase the inflammation. And so I would limit your exposure to carbohydrates. The things that make you feel good, you know, like maybe it's a, a pop or, a, you know, a cookie or something like that, you know, it's it's just going to increase the inflammation and cause pain. And people don't connect that dot, you know, five five minutes of enjoyment of what you're consuming. It's going to add however many hours of pain, <laughs> you know, to to your situation. So, so those are a couple of things you can do at home.
1: That's a really good point because I think too many people don't consider what they're eating as being part of the problem when you think of pain or you think of some sort of you know inflammation or anything where absolutely what you're putting into the body is going to cause the body to react in a certain way. And most of the sugary processed carbs that we are eating and consuming in mass amounts is leading to a constant inflammation. And guess what? If you already had inflammation, what's it going to do? Add more to it, more pain, more inflammation. And and we keep eating that way, and unfortunately, then we get in the cycle because we're almost addicted to the food we're eating. Right? Sugars are incredibly addictive. I see my niece and nephew when they have sugar; they are different kids than when they're just eating the vegetables. Right? Completely <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. different.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, it's the same with virus. You know, you 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 know, a lot of parents fall into the trap that hey, Susie and Jimmy don't feel very good, so we're going to give them a popsicle. We're going to give them a glass of apple juice. You know, it's like no.
1: No, no, no. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. it. I know. And and nowadays it's so hard because the kids want it. They're going to parties and everything. They're going to have the cake and they want that. And they will cry if they're broccoli or cake. You know, they're going to cry (laughs) if the broccoli is given and cheer with the cake. But at the same time, I I, I mean, listen, you got to be able to set those boundaries for the health of your child. Right. And there is a moderation. They could still have cake. It's not that they'll never eat the cake. It's just. Be be very aware of that because you're right. Whether it's immune system, whether it's inflammation, pain, all of that, what you put into your body via what you eat is a huge source of that. It's a huge factor within that. And I wanted to talk to a little bit about the podcast, Ditch the Quick Fix, which yeah. love the name. I wish I came up with that. <laughs> your healthier story, of course, I love that too. Oh, love but that. Ditch the Quick Fix. Tell us about Ditch the Quick Fix. What brought you to wanting to do a podcast?
0: Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. I, I never had any aspiration to do a podcast. Me neither. <laughs> my, my, my son-in-law, Micah. Yeah, uh, he, good <laughs> uh, Micah Lau, yeah, a really good guy. He uh, uh, is producing this podcast, Ditch the Quick Fix. And he had been doing a little bit of uh, podcast-type work for his company. And he asked me if I'd be interested in hosting a podcast. And I thought, well, you know, based on what I was seeing uh, from him, I thought, yeah, that'd be kind of fun to do a podcast every month or so, you know, and it turned out he had a whole different vision, (laughs) uh, which was, which was probably good. I didn't really know when I, (laughs) you know, got myself into it, but when it comes down to it, um, I appreciated his vision to be another voice such as yours and such as many people that, you know, wants to share information that's good health centered information and try to broaden the conversation, get out of the, you know, the, the one kind of size fits all kind of mentality uh, of health, which is what we're getting, you know, wrangled into here this last couple of years um, to just be a voice that says, hey, h- remember, here's some really great opportunities for you to take real control of your health, not to be under the fear factor, not to be under the burden of, you know, this is all you can do to be, to be well. Um, so that was, that was encouraging to me. I, he really has done a good job of putting together a good team to put out a good um, podcast. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I, I'm, I, uh, I'm in continuing learning mode. And that was just another opportunity for me to, to continue to learn. And to meet people such as you and and others that you know are are carrying carrying the baton, you know, and and putting the word out there and taking care of people in in your practice. And so, I just wanted to be another voice uh, that you know, hopefully, is a voice of reason and sanity when it comes to health,
1: you know. And, and I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a it's a fun gig. And it's needed now more than ever, right? It's it's just, I, I think the idea that there's so much information out there, it's it's overwhelming, but you got to find the trusted source that feel right to you, right? I think the whole idea of misinformation is very bizarre to me. We've always had sort of misinformation in a sense of, you know, we we just didn't know. There were a lot of people had opinions on this. The world was flat for a very long time, right? Then it was round. Was that misinformation at the time? Yeah. I mean, we learned, but I think that comes to the intuition and hearing voices such as yourself and others and like uh, and all these people because you have to be able to resonate with truth right i think that's something that david hawkins wrote about truth versus falsehood and we ha- we've gotten to a place where we can't decipher And that's the problem. It's not that we have to stop people from putting out information. It's that we have to tap into ourselves. And I think the more we hear from people such as yourself in these podcasts, the more we start to see, okay, that resonates with my intuition says, I am, you know, vibing with this somehow because it is on a higher level of something and it's giving me power rather than keeping me in a fearful state, which does nothing for me and actually puts me prone to disease, Right, right. That's exactly. a big part of, I think, why it is necessary and why I think we're seeing this kind of, you know, push and these these podcasts showing up. I, I did it for that reason. I knew that there was sort of people needed to hear this in a sense. And that's why I did it. Definitely. I totally agree. I, I'm
0: very thankful, too, with the, you know, the interviews that I've had so far that there is just a genuine, and I, I think I've got my finger on the pulse of this, just a genuine intent to really help people. And, you know, and that's what I really like in all the interviews. You know, I interviewed a couple of um, holistic dentists down in Marble Falls, Texas, and uh, Dr. Nunnally and Candace Owens. And they just have a heart to help people, you know, and it's just, you just feel it. You know, of course, there's a business um, side of everything that we do, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's nice to be interviewing people that, hey, this is just information that goes out and I know it's really helpful and this is going to, you know, hopefully bless as many people as possible. Uh, you know, when you juxtapose that to, you know, what we're getting fed, you know, by the mainstream media and things of that nature, uh, it's it's really refreshing. So that's, for me, you know, part of it. I, I'm i refreshed when I listen to people that, like you said, that it just rings true, mm-hmm. You know, and and there is this basic understanding of of health that uh, we need to continue to grasp onto, and that's ditch the quick fix. You know, there even in chiropractic, if I adjust you one time and you feel great, I have not fixed you. You know, um, so it's you could use any anything and fall into that trap of that ditch the quick fix. We really need to help people. Uh, understand how to just take better care of themselves in a general way. And some people are going to do it much better than others, and some people are not going to do it as well. But if at least they understand the concept, I think we've done something well.
1: Yeah, and I'll say one other thing that it's doing when you put these people and you allow them a voice and a a medium to talk about this is you start to re-instill the hope and faith in medicine again. People are losing it. You know what I mean people I know so many people that walk in this clinic's door and just they're skeptical of any doctor they don't believe in the medical system anymore they've been pushed around from person to person and then thrown away and said it's all in your head you know at the end of the day or saying we we can't help you anymore you left them in a worse spot than when they came in and right. and you you can't have a society that doesn't trust doctors anymore you know what I mean? That's that's not a good society and that's an unhealthy relationship because doctors are necessary. They are. They're the people that that yeah. are going to help you at the end of the day, get through something. You do it yourself. I understand that self-healing part again, but they are the people that are going to show you be the catalyst to get you there to your body, to get there. And if you don't have trust in them, it's, it's a very hard healing journey. It is.
0: It is. I'm with you. I, I think if you can, again, find that balance and find those that you can trust. That is a tough, tough road. But yeah, so I'm enjoying the, enjoying the podcast world. And it's not easy, right? It's not easy. (laughs) It is different. You know, it's, it's something, like I said, I'm glad I didn't have any aspiration because then I would have put too much pressure on myself. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And you got Mike, you know, that's, that's a great person to have on your team to, to help you out with everything. Listen, what are you excited for in the future? Is there anything you're looking at and saying, Hey, that's, that's something to look out for. Boy, I
0: haven't had that kind of uh, future thinking, um, I I think in the way that you're asking that question, what I'm hopeful for based on what we were just talking about is that people will reconnect to, you know, the natural methods and the natural ways at a very deep level, you know, and, and understanding, you know, that, Hey, that, that should be your foundation, you know, your foundation should have, you know, the basic concept of what does it take to be well? And you know, nutrition, rest, stress management—you know, uh, those are some of the things we talk about. Spinal health—that's you know, the four things I talk about in my office. You know, rest, exercise, stress management, good spinal uh, neurological health—you know, those kind of things. Try to set that foundation. That's what I would be looking for in the future. You know, is that more people would reset and recommit? You know, and and recognize that there there isn't an easy way. Uh, but it becomes easy if it becomes your lifestyle. You know, there is a opportunity for your lifestyle to become your norm. Because like I was saying with posture, your lifestyle is is ultimately what is your norm. And so if you can just reset your lifestyle, if I'm making any sense here, it becomes easy. It might take a little bit of a time, four, six, eight, twelve 12 months to kind of reset your lifestyle. But once you've done that, now, now you've got a, a better base, you know, and for some people, that's their norm, they already have it, you know, and, and they are eating well, they're exercising well, they're resting well, you know, they're, they're stress management, they've got a plan for that. Um, and that's their norm. And it's not hard. If, if your norm has not been anywhere near that, it is hard because you're just not used to it. But if you can, if we can get people to reset, that would be my, my hope for the future.
1: Yeah. I think that resetting and reconnecting with nature is what's going to happen. And I think you always have the pendulum swings. There's a polarity to everything, right? And sometimes we get too far away. I think we forget that we are part of nature. We kind of, you know, disconnect and say, that's nature out there somewhere in the woods, right? I'm here connected digitally to everything, you know, always on my phone, always around all these things and not even realizing you're still part of that. You know, and I think it's swung pretty far, the pendulum to one side where we are so ingrained in this digital world, this, you know, metaverse of things. But I think it's swinging back and you're seeing that. I think people are aching inside in their souls to reconnect because yeah. it's, it's there. That's who we are at our core. We are part of nature. You can't, and, you know, take that apart and break it up. So I'm really excited about that too. Dr. Ernst, where can people learn more about you in the podcast?
0: So yeah, DitchTheQuickFix.com is uh, the podcast. And basically, it's, uh, we're on YouTube now. So we're doing a little bit of video as well now. And uh, Spotify, Apple, all those main platforms are where you can listen to the podcast. Um, we're excited. We're, you know, weekly episodes on Fridays. Uh, in fact, this Friday uh, is an interview that Micah interviewed me. Um, oh, the, the, old talk, yeah. Yeah. the old switcheroo, yeah. <laughs> so the last Friday and this Friday were uh, interviews with me, so that's what's going on there. And then, yeah, I'm I'm uh, just uh, at Shelton Chiropractic uh, Center in in uh, in my little world of chiropractic in the state of Washington. So awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on. Send Micah my regards and keep, you know, keep fighting the good fight and putting this out there. I love it. And I hope people, you know, see this connect and can become empowered and again, take control of their health. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Thank you for having me. And thank you. And I I encourage you as well to keep up the good fight. I'm, I'm thankful to be doing battle with you.
1: Yes, side by side, we are doing it and hopefully helping and then moving this uh, you know, pendulum back to normalcy yep. and back to this idea that health is the greatest wealth. So thank you again, Dr. Ernst. You bet. Quick fixes may seem advantageous, but in nature and medicine, the slow and steady approach is the one that leads to long-term health. Hoping you got some good information from Dr. Ernst in this podcast. And if you enjoyed what you heard, leave a rating and comment wherever you're currently listening to this podcast. Also, be sure to check out Dr. Ernst's podcast, Ditch the Quick Fix. I was an early guest and he's doing a really great job with it. Until next time, keep writing your own healing story.